I'll add my welcome and my appreciation for you all being here this morning. It is good to be able to come together on this Lord's Day and to engage in study and singing and encouraging one another to gather around this table and to remember the great sacrifice that our Lord made for us. And I pray that you will open your ears, open your hearts, and hear a message from God's Word this morning. This is my aim and my purpose as a preacher to bring the good news. And I appreciate this opportunity as I do each and every one of these opportunities to stand before you and deliver a message from God's Word. I wanted to start this morning by asking a question, and this question is, uh, is one that's been around for a long time. And that question is, how do we know God exists? <coughs> Skeptics have been asking this question for thousands of years. Certainly we see it in our own lifetime, in our own current age. People going around asking, how is it that we know God exists? So we're gathered here this morning to worship God. We come together on the first day of the week, each and every first day of the week, to worship God. Someone, who, someone whom no one in this room has ever seen. John 1 and verse 18 says, No one has seen God at any time. Yet we come here together on this first day of the week to worship Him. Why do we do that? And how do we know that God exists? Certainly we wouldn't be coming here if we didn't know that. If we weren't convinced of it, if our faith wasn't strong enough, we wouldn't be here. But our faith is strong enough. And we do believe. So I wanted to look this morning at some reasons why we believe. And hopefully these are some reasons that we can share with others. So when people come up to us and ask us about why or how do we know God exists, we'll be able to answer them. So I want to start this morning by looking at the people of the Old Testament times, because the people of the Old Testament times knew that God existed. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Moses knew that God existed. We know from many examples and many reasons why we know that Moses knew that God existed, just the way that God interacted with him. But here in chapter 33 of Exodus, Moses wanted to see God. If we look there in verse 12, beginning verse 33, or chapter 33, beginning verse 12, Then Moses said to the Lord, See thou dost say to me, Bring up this people. But thou thyself hast not let me know who will send with me. Moreover, thou hast said... I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thy sight, let me know thy ways, that I may know thee, so that I might find favor in thy sight. Consider, too, that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If thy presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how... Then can it be known that I have found favor in thy sight and thy people? Is it not for thy going with us, so that we, I and the people, may be distinguished from the other people who are upon the face of the earth? 
And the Lord says to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be a grace and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you should stand there on the rock and I will come about when my, when my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Moses knew who God was. He certainly did. But Moses wanted to see his glory. And God said, this is as close as I'm going to come, Moses. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by you. and You're not going to see my face. Because remember what John said? No one has seen God at any time. Someone else that knew that God existed was Pharaoh. Turn back a few chapters to chapter 19 of Exodus. If you remember the story of Exodus. Sorry, go back to chapter 12. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Let my people out of this land. Pharaoh refused. So there were ten plagues that were sent upon the nation of Egypt. By the, t the end of the tenth plague, Pharaoh knew who, who God was. In chapter 12, beginning verse 29, Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants and the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, and there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go. Worship the Lord, as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds, you have, as you have said, and go and bless me also. It took a while for Pharaoh to understand who the Lord was. When he woke that night and found that there was one dead in each and every household, he knew who God was. And the Israelites, they knew who God was. So many examples we can point to. I want to look at in chapter 19 of Exodus. Following in our list of examples here of those who knew God. The Israelites knew who God was. In chapter 19 here, this is Moses going up to Sinai to receive the law. Chapter 19, verse 16 says, So it came about on the third day when, I, when it was morning, that there was thunder and lightning flashes and the thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Israelites knew who God was. They knew that there was a God. They were terrified. If you come down to verse 18 of chapter 20, it says, And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the, smoke, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. 
Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. Can you imagine being scared to death at the things that you were seeing? It was an awesome sight that they were seeing. So much so that they said, Moses, you speak to us. We can't bear to hear God speak to us. We are trembling. Verse 20, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, or in order that you may fear, uh, or the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. The children of Israel knew there was a God. Think about the things that had already been performed in their sight. The plagues that struck Egypt, them coming out of the wild, uh, coming out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, the manna that was provided in the wilderness. They knew there was a God. They certainly did, and in this instance, they feared Him. They feared His presence. Somebody else that knew there was a God was Nebuchadnezzar. Look over in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Another familiar story to us. That story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had this statue that he wanted people to worship, and these three refused to do so, so he was going to throw them in a furnace. Verse 13 of chapter 3 says, Now Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that you have made very well. But if you will not worship, you will be immediately cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? And I love what is said next. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us out of the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O Nebuchadnezzar, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It may be that we die today, King Nebuchadnezzar, but know this, we're not going to serve the gods that you have set up. We serve the only one God, Jehovah God. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expression um, was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he answered by giving orders that the furnace be heated seven times hotter. Come over to verse 24. And Nebuchadnezzar was astounded and stood up in haste and responded and said to his high officials, they'd been thrown into the furnace. And he saw what was going on. Was it not their men cast abound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said, certainly, O king. He answered and said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth one is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to near the door of the furnace of blazing fire and responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out in the midst of the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head, head singed, nor were even the trousers damaged, nor had the smell of smoke even come upon them. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants to put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any gods except their own God. Nebuchadnezzar knew who Jehovah God was at this point. Not even, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Isn't that amazing? Nebuchadnezzar knew there was a God. Jehovah God. These people in the Old Testament, many more examples we could look at of God demonstrating his power, demonstrating who he was. But how do we, living in this time, in the day and age that we live in, God doesn't interact with his people like this anymore. It's a different way that he interacts. So how do we know that God exists today? One way that we know that he exists, can simply be seen in the world around us. Look over at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Beginning in verse 1. It says, The heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And there is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. The lion has gone out and through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its course. Its raising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit is as though the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The heavens are telling the glory of God. We can simply look up at the night sky and know that there is a God. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? Look also over in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. As we consider how we are, know that there is a God in this day and age. David there in Psalm 19 says that the glories of the heavens themselves tell the glory of God. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident. Within them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image of the form of corruptible man and the birds four-footed animals and crawling creatures. God can simply be seen in the things around us. 
that which is known and evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, attributes have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. The very things of this earth, the very things of the heavens, are telling us of a creator. And Paul says, they knew God, but they didn't really believe in him. They didn't really trust him. They didn't have the faith in him. Chapter 1 goes on to tell them that God gave them over to their lustful ways, the corruption of the world. They knew there was a God. Look also in Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. Beginning verse 24. It says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of the heavens and the earth, does not dwell in the temples made with hands, Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of man, mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, and even of some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Paul here reminding him, the, his audience here, as he's on Mars Hill, God's created everything in the world. Everything that you see, everything that we know, the way that we exist, the boundaries of our habitations, the way we move, the breath that we breathe, is all because of God. We would not be here except for God. He created us and created everything that we see. Everything around us declares the glory of God. So if we want to tell someone, if we want to understand that God exists, just look around. Look around us at the beauty of this earth and the heavens. Another way that we know that God exists is that Jesus explains him. In John 1, verse 18, we read the first part of that verse. It says, no one has seen God at any time. The second part of that verse says, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. John 1, 18, yours may say, he has explained him. If we want to know about God, if we want to know if God exists, then we need to study and learn about Jesus Christ. Because John here tells us that Jesus Christ explains God. He describes him. Look over in Hebrews chapter 1. So much is written about our Lord. And how he explains our God. In Hebrews 1, beginning in verse 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways... In these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. If we want to know about God, 
Look at Jesus. He is the exact representation of his nature. Look also over in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 7. It says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. And that is enough for us. You see, Philip was kind of like Moses. He knew there was a God. He knew who Jesus was. But he wanted to see God. He wanted to see him himself. Look what Jesus says here in verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am the Father, and the Father in, that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on the count of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also. And the greater works than these he, do, the, he shall do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. And the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Philip wanted to see the Father. Jesus said to him, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember what the Hebrew writer said? He's the exact representation of his nature. What John said, the only begotten the Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. He has explained him. So if we want to know God the Father, look see what Scripture says about Jesus. Lastly, how we can know that there is a God is that our faith demonstrates that there is a God. Look over in Hebrews 11. I had Brad read this passage to us, Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Verses 1 through 6. Let's read verses 1 through 3 again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what we have seen is not made out of things which are visible. Faith. God exists, and we know that God exists by the faith that we demonstrate. The faith that brought us here this morning to come together on this first day of the week. That proves that there's a God. Why else would we be here? And speaking of things not seen, you and I haven't seen the resurrected Christ, have we? Remember about Thomas? He's been given the nickname Doubting Thomas. Thomas said he wouldn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead unless he could see his wounds, unless he could touch his wounds. 
says, I want to see his wounds. I want to touch where the nails were. I want to put my hand in his side. So Jesus appeared to him. There was an instance there where he appeared to him and the other apostles. And he told Philip, he said, here, touch the wounds. And remember what Philip said, um, Thomas, remember what Thomas said after he touched the wounds? He said, my Lord and my God. It took that for Thomas. It took him being able to handle Touch the resurrected Christ. But when he did, he said, my Lord and my God. Thomas was no longer doubting. Thomas knew there was a God. He was standing right before him. But we will never have such an experience. Not on this earth. We'll stand in the presence of our Lord one day, but it's not going to be on this earth unless the Lord returns before we pass on. But we believe. How is that? How is it that we believe? Chapter 20, chapter 20 verse 29 of our story here about Thomas. Jesus said to Thomas, says, Because you have seen me, have you believed? He goes on to say, Blessed are those who do not see. And yet believe. We have not seen the resurrected body, the resurrected Lord. But there were many who did. Many who did. And we have the faith in things not seen. But what we have is the faith that others saw him. Others saw the resurrected Christ. And fortunately for us, Many of them told of their accounts. And we have those accounts written for us today. The other way that we know about our Lord and his existence is that our faith reveals him to others. Look back in Matthew 5. The very faith that we had, the very faith that we've been talking about, the faith that brought us here this morning to assemble with the saints demonstrates that there is a God. In Matthew 5, beginning of verse 13, says, You are the salt of the earth, and the salt has become tasteless. How will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure or a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our faith shows that there's a God in heaven. Think about the things that we've talked about. The things that God revealed to those in the Old Testament times miracles and the things that were happening then. Think about Jesus and his ministry and the things that he did and the resurrected Lord that showed himself to many. 
And men took the time and guided by the Holy Spirit to write those things down so that they could be preserved. And another way that God demonstrates his existence is simply through our faith. What is the strongest of all those? I'll leave you with that question. But I'll tell you, brethren, that demonstrating our faith in what we read here in Scripture, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's powerful. Our faith can demonstrate to others that there is a God in heaven. Let's not take that lightly. So those who do not believe, uh, let's go back a minute. The question we began with was, how do we know that God exists? Well, we've demonstrated that he does. But those who don't believe are without excuse. We read there from Romans chapter 1, in the middle of that reading was verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. The world is without excuse. If the world says there is no God, that's on them. Because there's no excuse for it. God has demonstrated that who he is. Acts chapter 17, reading on down from our reading in verse 30, says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is calling on all men everywhere to repent. Paul says that there's this God who has created all things, has given us the all things that we need. He expects something of us. And he expects us to repent. Verse 31, why? Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man who he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. That's why. He's calling on all men to repent. Why? Because there's coming a day when he's going to judge all of mankind. Through who? Through Jesus Christ, his son. Whom he has appointed, being furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And there were many that saw him raised from the dead. To further prove that there is a God. Though we ourselves have not witnessed the resurrected Christ, many did. Many did witness the resurrected Christ. And among those were the apostles. And they were instructed to go into all the world. And to tell people that they had witnessed the resurrected Christ. Remember what Paul says? Something I quote often. We preach Christ and him crucified. The message of the gospel was the crucified and resurrected Lord. And that's what they were going through the world proclaiming. So the question is, do you believe God exists? Because I do. For the reasons that we talked about this morning and many more. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For the reasons that we talked about this morning and many more. And making that confession is essential to our salvation. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is essential to our salvation. Matthew 10 and verse 32, Therefore everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. 
And we see that good confession made, the Ethiopian eunuch there in Acts chapter 38, when he asked Philip, he says, here's water, what permits, prevents me from being baptized? Philip says, if you believe, you can. Remember what the Ethiopian eunuch said? I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That confession is essential to our salvation. Upon making that confession and having repented of our sins, we can be baptized for the remission of those sins. That's the way we come in contact with the Lord's blood. That's how we are added to the kingdom. That's how we are added to his church, as we read there in Acts chapter 2. To become a part of the body. And then we go on to serve him, living righteously. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. From Revelation 2 and verse 10. If you are subject to that, we have things ready for you to be baptized. If as a child of God you have stumbled, if your faith is wavering, if you need the prayers of this congregation, we can help you with that as well. You can let these things be known by coming forward as we stand and sing.